Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Today's all, all been uh, right the way through about a beautiful story. And it probably won't surprise you that the most written about and the most read story in all of human history, by a huge margin, by the way, is a love story. There are more books, more songs, more poetry written about this story than any other one that's ever been written. Now, I'm not going to read the whole story to you. I'm going to give you one simple snippet of it. And here it is. It'll be up on the screen for you. It's John 3 verse 16. The story of history is for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. That story has been written already and has flourished despite all opposition, despite all persecution, despite every attempt to mute its voice. That story lives on regardless of all the faults that those that believe it may even exhibit. Some of us have met people that love that story but didn't live up to that story. Yet the story survives around the world. But today I don't want to speak so much about the story. I actually want to talk to you about the sequel to John 3.16. It's the starting point, it's the original, but the Bible tells us that there's actually a sequel to it. I know we live in a time of sequels for everything and uh, maybe you didn't realise there is a sequel. Let me read it to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2 says, You yourselves are all the endorsement we need. Your very lives are a letter that anyone can read just by looking at you. Christ Himself wrote it, not with ink, but with God's living Spirit, not chiselled into stone, but carved into human lives. We simply publish it. This beautiful story of John 3.16 has a sequel to it and it's called You. The sequel to this great story still being written in the hearts and the lives of the followers of Jesus Christ. You are the next chapter, if you like. You are the next edition. And some of us here in this place, we have started on that journey and we're seeing unfolding before us what God wants to write. A couple of months ago, my future son-in-law, and I had a night free. The, I think uh, Rhonda and Candace were actually here rehearsing for Celebrate Women Day. And uh, so I said to Matt, we had the night off. I said, you know, well, shall we go to a movie? You know, because he's young and movies and whatever. So uh, I kind of had a look and I saw Avengers The Endgame. I thought, well, that's one I've never seen. So how about we go to that? He said, look, I've already seen it, but I'm happy to go again. It was so good. Now, here's the problem with this whole thing. 
I have never seen any Avengers movies. I've never watched a one. I've never read even the comic if it was based on a comic. I haven't read it, I don't know anything. So I'm sitting with Matt in the movie theatre, never having seen the original, I'm watching the sequel. The sequel was so good, it got me interested in the original. And I'm sitting there literally annoying everyone in the entire movie theatre because I'm going, what was that? Who was that? Who's that guy? Why did he do that? How long has he had this? What does that mean there? And the whole way through the movie, it was a test for my future son-in-law. How much do you love this man who will be your father-in-law? No, no, no. Well, he's got the power because of this. Was he from the planet Thron or Tron or Thorn? I don't know. I don't remember any of it. I do remember enjoying the movie immensely, but it got me asking questions about how the whole thing got started. Can I say to you today that somebody out there is reading your story and hopefully it's going to make them want to ask questions about the original. Hopefully them reading who you are and what God is writing in your life makes them want to go, why do you do what you do? Why? I think every believer ought to cause confusion in the world they inhabit. I reckon they ought to go, why aren't you angry about that? Why aren't you bitter about that? Why aren't you upset over that? Why do you keep on being generous? Why do you serve people like that that can do nothing for you? I think that the story God's writing in the sequel called You, hopefully is gonna prompt other people around about you to wanna ask the questions. But here's the deal. And I think this is, for many of us, written so strongly in our heart that we live differently because we know somebody somewhere needs to read my story. Some of them are never gonna go and read the original. Some of them are never gonna go back and delve too deeply. Some of them, what they've experienced of religion. I was being interviewed this week by a reporter uh, about the legislation coming up and a whole lot of stuff like that. And she asked me what I thought about what was happening. And I said, well, I think every thinking person wants to uh, get some clarity around this whole issue. And so I started speaking about that. And I said, maybe I won't be happy with everything that comes out of that but I'll be glad for the clarity that's there. I said, you know, we, we live in the real world. I said, I don't live in a Christian bubble. I said, I live in a real world with real people helping real people. I said, there's 80 nationalities in this church. She said, are you kidding me? That's amazing. And after we'd gone through the whole interview, she said to me, that sounds like an amazing group of people. Next time I'm in Perth, can I come to your church? You know, it was a 20-minute interview, 20-minute interview, but 20-minute interview, but see, she was reading my story. You know, the people that you buy your coffee from are reading your story. And your work colleagues, they're reading the original by looking at you 
and by the sequel that God's writing. And I know some of us go like, please don't. I don't think there's any Christian that I know, including me, that goes, yeah, look, read away, baby, because this is so like the original, like, hello. I reckon most of us are going like, oh, God, no. I hope they don't read too close. Well, let's just give them the headlines. Someone somewhere, listen to me, someone somewhere needs your story. Someone somewhere, the only Bible they're ever going to read is you. Someone somewhere, the only thing they'll ever know about God is by the way you live your life. Let's make it easy for them to read. Let's live in such a way that they'll want to ask questions about the original. That's what 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give an answer to every man or woman that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. I want to live a life so that somebody wants to ask. Amen. I don't want him to have to kind of wait until I bring out the big Bible and give him the four spiritual laws and the, get out the lectern and have a preach. The reality is I, most of my life is not spent with a pulpit. I am not pulpit man. I don't go about every day. You know, I have a steering wheel in my car, not a pulpit. You ungodly drivers. The Lord says, make haste. That, rem that reminds me of the fellow who got pulled over by the policeman who said, you've been speeding. And he, the guy, he said, oh, I'm really sorry, I'm a pastor. I shouldn't drive like that. I apologise. And the, man, the policeman looked at him and said, if you can give me a Bible verse, applying to this, I'll let you off. The pastor thought a minute. And then he remembered the Scripture in the Old Testament. And he said, the king's business requireth haste. I've got to tell you, I've been looking for that policeman a bunch of times. I've never found him yet. I've kept it all way in the back of my mind, waiting for him to turn up. Give an answer to people who see the hope that's in you and are going to ask you a question. I feel I, I want to just say to you again, because many of us here will think, well, I'm not that important. You know, I'm nobody famous or I'm nobody that anybody is likely to really be watching. But let me say to you, somebody's watching you. Somebody needs, it's not even just that they're watching you critically. It's that somebody needs the story that only you have got to give. Don't make it hard to read. My father, God bless him, uh, was a bit of a funny guy in a lot of ways. My dad liked to do things a bit quirky, which, you know, obviously skipped a generation, has gone on to my grandkids. <laughs> my, my father and mum lived uh, a long way away for most of my life since I was 15. And so we were right. This is back in the day. Dad wouldn't have had a smartphone anyway. I tried to get him to have an answering machine back in the day. And he just said, if they want me, they can ring back. I thought, fair enough. So what about getting a, a mobile phone? He goes, they know where I live. I went, gotcha. But dad would write me letters and he wrote me some like this. He'd get four sheets of paper and he would line them all up and then write across the top <laughs> of the whole lot. And then the next line. And I'd get this thing. And when I started reading page one, 
Line one did not carry on to line two or line three or line four. And it took me a while to kind of work out the code that he'd done it like that. Another time he wrote me a letter starting in the centre of the paper and writing in a spiral. I literally had to read it like this. That was my dad. Another time he wrote me one on a toilet roll. I didn't want to know where he was when he wrote it, but he wrote it the full length of this roll of toilet paper. That was my dad. He liked to make his letters hard to read. Please can I ask you, don't make the letter God's writing in your life hard to read for the people around about you. Never be embarrassed to say I'm a follower of Christ. Never be embarrassed to say I love God. Never be embarrassed to say I've given my life to serve people and to serve God. Own that with pride. Make the letter easy for people to read the story of your life. However, let me give you the one massive difference between the original story, which was perfect in every way, It went entirely to script. Let me give you the difference between the original story and yours and mine. Because unlike the original that never needed any revision, yours and mine needs a lot. How many people know that uh, many of us have got chapters of our life that we actually don't want anyone to read? Huh? We don't want anyone going back there. You know, I've been a Christian a long while, but every so often, The devil wants to take me back to page three or page 10. I gave my life to Christ at the age of 19. And at the age of 19, God said he would do something and that I, that it would change my life. And he certainly did. But you know, I've discovered in the intervening years that there is something I can do that God can't do. Let me read these verses to you because he wrote them twice in the one book because everyone needs to hear it. It's Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 12. He says, I'll forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. Two chapters later, 10 verse 17. Then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. Here's the problem with the story of your life thus far. God says, I can't remember. I won't remember. He's not going back because you're on page 54 and you're in a mess or a struggle or there's challenge or pressure. He doesn't go back like you do to page four to see the reason why. Whatever it was that you did before Christ, He sealed that part of the book. You can do something that God can't do. You can go back and we all do it. We go back and remember what happened. We go back and remember that thing that triggered off that weakness in our life. I don't know about the rest of you, but I do. I go back and remember, not all the time, I'm getting way better at it. But sometimes I find there's a little voice that goes, yeah, but wants to take me back in the book. And I've got to remember that God says, you know what, Jeff, why would you read something that I've said is finished? 
Why would I ever keep reading the parts of the book that he sealed? Why would I go back and look again, reading over, come on, everybody here's got a past. Everybody here's got something back in there that you wish you hadn't done. And I just find that there is an enemy that somehow or other just wants to take me back to the old story of my life. Don't keep reading what God's taken out of the book. There's one last place though that God wants to write something about your life. God likes writing, by the way. It's all through the book. Well, it's the book, isn't it? Jesus is called the Word. He's writing everywhere. When He comes back and His majesty and glory has got written on His thigh, King of kings and Lord of lords. Everything about Him, there's something written about Him and it's powerful. Psalm 45 verse 1 says, My tongue is like the pen of a ready writer. Whenever you say that, crazy thing. I can never get over this. I'll never be different. I'm always going to have this problem. You just started writing the next paragraph. You're writing the intro. You don't want to finish that chapter, folks. You want to go back there and start writing something different. You want to start writing in there, in Jesus, I can do all things. Amen. Amen. Come on, let that be the start of the next chapter. Come on, let that be the start of the next chapter of your life. Start saying something. Start writing something different. Are you stuck somewhere right now where you go, God, I don't know. And you know, how many people, my friend Mark here will tell you, I'm the most stubborn reader there is because I read the end of every book I have ever read, started apart from one. And that was the autobiography of Mikhail Gorbachev. And it was so boring even though I didn't finish it. But I was reading a book recently that someone had told me was really interesting. And the first half of it, I'm going, boring. Why? And, you know, because I'm stubborn like that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish this thing. And I'm going, oh, no, not on this page, not on this page. Some of you got lives like this. You go like, oh, God, boring. But I thank God I stayed till the end. The second half of this book was amazing had so many insights that literally I started scribbling notes down in, uh, on all the pages. I got out my little post-it note thingos and I post-noted all the pages. The first half of the book, I'm going like, whatever. The second half of the book, I'm going, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. And I remember telling everyone, don't worry, the first half boring. Read the second half. Stay in there. Stay reading it till you get to the good bits. Can I say to you this morning, some of you need to stick with it because the good bits are coming somewhere up along the way. You don't want to quit reading. Amen. Don't kind of go, yeah, well, so far my life is a horror story. Start writing the new chapter. God, this is how my life's going to end up. This is how my life, you know, everybody in this book, most of them started out with a pretty bad start and ended up with a great finish. Moses, whose mother puts him in a basket and sets him adrift in a river filled with crocodiles. Because it is. The Nile. She puts him in there. She's hoping that the pitch, 
She's put around the woven basket, won't leak and the little baby won't drown. And so she sets him adrift. How many people would like a star like that in life? Not that she didn't want him, but she couldn't keep him. She had to let him go. I think about Joseph. He had such a great family that the brothers all got together and said, we're going to kill him. That is not a very good family start. Some of us, we're looking at our family and how we got started in life and we go, oh, what a mess. But thank God, Joseph never said the end. I remember thinking once about how the Bible says Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. That means He's the beginning and He's also the end. He's not just the beginner of stuff. He's the finisher of things in your life. And if He hasn't said end of story, it's not the end of your story. Amen. Stay with us here. Keep going with that. There's uh, chapters more to come and you don't want to let that be the end for your life. But there's one last place God wants to write. Revelation chapter 21, last book of the Bible. This is what it says in verse 27. Nothing dirty or defiled will get into the city and no one who defiles or deceives, only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And you know, I read that verse and I, you know what really stands out to me? Is that in God's book, there's a space waiting for your name. Amen. It's not like, thank God he hasn't shut the book. Enough Christians Enough people going to heaven. Who wants too many? He's got the book open and the pen poised and he's waiting to write your name in there. You go, oh, Jeff, he wouldn't write my name. You have no idea what I've done. You have no idea. I've cursed God. I've blasphemed him. I've talked to, you know, I've told everyone I believe in that religion rubbish. He's just waiting for you to say, write my name. Write my name. Lord, write my name. There's a space. I love it. You get those documents, you know, and there's a space for your name. That's because they've thought ahead of time that you'd be there. And in exactly the same way, the Heavenly Father has thought ahead of time and he's got a space for you to put your name in it. I was with my grandson a couple of weeks ago and I was sitting at the breakfast table and I'm writing in my journal and he came out and as he always does, he comes out hungry. We just say one grace at the start of the day for Elroy because it's just a day-long buffet. If you saw the size of him, you'd understand it. Out it comes. But I'm sitting there and he's looking across at me writing. And he says, Gandad, Elroy, write. I said, sure. So I gave him a pen in my journal. So he started scribbling. I said, what's that? He says, Thomas. What's that? Edward. What's that? Henry. He's telling me all the characters of Thomas the Tank Engine. So I lean across because he's not that good a writer yet. And I lean across. And I start helping him. Can I say to you the day 
you let the Heavenly Father write your name in the Lamb's Book of Life, it's no longer about what you write. Come on. I could not survive. I couldn't do any of this. I really couldn't. There's not a day goes by that I'm not aware of all that I'm not and all that I'm not capable of. That's not negativity. That's not a poor self-image. I think I've got a pretty good one. It's just that sometimes what's in front of you is way too big. I thank God that as I write the rest of the chapters of my life, there's a hand on my hand. The same hand that wrote my name. I was thinking about this. I don't know who said it. It was one of the famous old preachers. He said this, I am a great sinner. But I have a great saviour. I thank God that though I'm a great sinner, I thank God there's a great saviour who as I'm writing the next part of my life, I thank God there's a hand over my hand. I thank God it's not just what I can dream up or what I can make work or what I can get to happen. But there's a hand over my hand. God's ready to write your name in his book. If you've never said yes to Jesus, I think about this a lot because we live in a world that doesn't believe in a supernatural God. We believe in the supernatural, just, you know, it's all kind of out there. But we, we want to think that God can't be supernatural, but he absolutely is. And so when Jesus says, if any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him or her and I will live with them. When Jesus said that, you can't do that. You can't make that happen. It's got to be supernatural. It's absolutely, only God could make that happen. But here's the thing. My yes is that powerful. My saying yes lets him come in and start writing the next chapters of my life so completely different to everything that's gone before. Just every head bowed, every eye closed for a minute, if you would. Just right where you sit right now, some of you here in this place say, Jeff, I have never really said yes to Jesus. Jeff, I I want my name. God's got the pen poised, but I want him to write my name. There's a space for you. He's got a little line. He's waiting for you to say yes. So he wants to write your name in his book. And can I say that he's not writing it in pencil. He's writing it in the blood of his own son. Indelibly written in for you. And I'd love to pray with you this morning. Here in this place, we do this every service. It's never about embarrassing people. It's about welcoming you into that space where you say, I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to say yes to Jesus. I'm going to let Him come into my life. From now on, things are going to change because my yes invited Jesus in. That's the powerful, incredible difference. If that's you this morning, you'd like me to pray with you just quickly and simply. Would you just slip your hand up wherever you are so I can see it? I want to pray with you where you are. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to get you to do something or other else after that. That's all complicated. Thank you. I see you back there. Just whoever you are, wherever you are. If you just lift them up a minute, then I'm going to pray with whoever lifts their hand. Thank you. Yep. Thank you back there. Yeah, I see you. Maybe you walked in here today going, I've got a faith in God. God, that's fantastic. But maybe you came in here saying today, I don't really know. I don't know what it means. I don't know what God's about, but I'd like to say yes. Yep, thank you. Yep. Yep, I see you back there. Yep. 
People are still saying yes to Christ and still putting their hands up and then putting them back down again. I appreciate your honesty and your courage. I appreciate all that it's going to mean that you are saying, Jesus, would you come into my life? Some of you might have been raised in backgrounds. You go, Jeff, there's no Christian faith in my background. That's okay. Jesus never asked what your background was. He asked, do you want to say yes to Him? Just as I look across one more time, is there anybody else that you haven't lifted it yet? Yep, I see you, yep. Thank you so much. That means so much. Is there anybody else just wherever you are? We're going to pray a prayer and I'd love it if everyone prays it just to encourage the people that have responded. And I recognise some of you are going, Jeff, right now, I don't know. I'm, you've made me think and I'm going to think about this. That's okay. But for those who have, would you say this prayer? It's a simple prayer. It says yes to Jesus. Would you say this after me? Lord Jesus, thank You for dying for me because I matter to You. I want You in my life. I'm saying yes. I want to walk with you for the rest of my life. Amen. 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 Give those people a great big hand, would you? Say, fantastic. If you raised your hand, let me tell you there's several ways you can go from here. One is you can simply text yes to the number up there on the screen, 0488826392. If you've got access to the web and you'd prefer it to come via email, yes.metrochurch.org.au, the day after you do it. I asked Pastor Bruce this week, I said, Bruce, are we still getting those yes texts in? Because he's monitoring all that. He goes, every couple of days. So it'll be a Thursday night late and someone who was in a service or someone listening to the podcast Someone who's thought about it all goes, yeah. And they must have taken the number and they text yes. And so the next morning at 7am, our time anyway, wherever you are, it's at our time because it's done out of our church. The next morning at 7am, you get a Bible verse and a prayer that you can pray to make your own. And that goes for 30 days or until you opt out. And that keeps going. Then after the 30 days, if you want, we've got a whole lot of other series going through that they're really so good. Uh, I've been doing it for, gee, over a year now. And uh, can I tell you, the latest, they're worth keeping on going with. Other people do it via the email. Or maybe you go, Jeff, I don't have access to a smartphone or the web or whatever. Why don't you go to our Connect Hub? You can't miss it out there. We've got a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, I made sure on Friday that we've got plenty of Bibles for everybody. If you need a Bible, go out there. They'll give you a Bible. And they'll help you and they'll pray with you. We'd love you to connect in some way or other so that you don't journey the next part of your life on your own, but you journey it with God. Amen. How about we just give those people another big congrats and say, well done. Now, uh, Peter Pan is waiting to take us out in a minute. And uh, that's going to be so good. By the way, Hayden Glass, who's the leader of Red Frogs for Western Australia, that is probably uh, one of the most significant Christian ministries in this entire state. And I don't say that lightly or in any sense just trying to puff it up. It really is. It's probably reaching more people than any other one I can think of in this state. It's phenomenal. And he's going to be speaking tonight on stories of my dad. And I'm hosting the service. And 
I've already tried the hat on and uh, I've got a pretty big head, so I don't know how that's going to go. But anyway, it might just sit atop and look funny, but that'll be fun tonight and it's going to be a great service. Let's welcome back Pastor Hayden Glass. Here he is. Church isn't over just yet. We've still got some great things out in the cafe, but why don't we stand together, church? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are in and through our lives, that you're a good, good father, that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Thank you for everyone here, God. I thank you that as they go, they go with traveling mercies. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's look to the screens. We're going to watch a quick video and then the team are going to lead us out with a great song and I'm going to tell you what's happening after the service. Thanks. My child, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to me than a whole flock of sparrows. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear. I will help you. When you pass through the water, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed. For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you a hope and a future. Hear, my son, accept my words, that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered, and if you run, you will not stumble. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth.
Awesome. A massive thank you for being a part of our Honour Monday uh, service this morning, especially if you came as a guest of someone. We want to say thank you on their behalf as well. It meant the world that you're here today to celebrate with them. 